Thanks, Tanya. Hello. Good morning. Have you ever been disappointed? <laughs> you ever been disappointed with life? Disappointed with someone? Disappointed with how things have turned out? I started this week with lots of things that I wanted to get done. And then on Monday morning, I woke up with a cough and a fever. And it totally changed my week. Just to say that I'm not good at being sick. In fact, when I'm sick, I tend to imitate most of the seven dwarves. I'm sneezy, I'm sleepy, I'm dopey, I'm definitely grumpy, and I never ever want to go and see Doc. It got so bad one night that Linda suggested, you know what, Trevor, I think we need to go to the hospital. And I said, not likely. That's not the best place to be right now. It's full of sick people. So like a typical man, I put up with it without complaining or moaning or making a fuss. Why is it just the women that are laughing? But it was not the week that I was expecting I was disappointed. And you know, I guess that happens to many of us when things don't go the way we hoped. We become disappointed. You know, disappointed with how our lives have panned out. Disappointed with our marriages. Disappointed with our jobs. Disappointed with family. Let's be honest, if you're human here this morning and you're breathing, which I believe is most of you, you have experienced disappointment in your life. Maybe you've experienced deep and crippling disappointment. Welcome. We're in the Old Testament book of Exodus, looking at a journey, a journey to freedom. You remember the Hebrew nation, they're in Egypt and they're in slavery and they're trapped in despair. They're under this tyrannical leader, this dictator who's hell-bent on genocide. But God has heard their cry. He's seen their suffering. He's had compassion on his people and he's acting. He begins to act. He's got a plan. He's got a good plan. He's got a perfect plan. And he comes to Mr. Nowhere Man, sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. 
Moses. He's a Hebrew guy who used to live the high life in Egypt, in the palace of the king. But he's had to flee because he got hot-headed and he killed an Egyptian. And then spends the next 40 years wandering and drifting in the wilderness, looking after his father-in-law's smelly sheep. And it's to him, Moses, that God comes and shares his plan of how he's going to set his people free. He says, look, nowhere man, please listen. You don't know what you're missing. Okay, I can <laughs> Oh dear, sorry. I'm, I'm sending you, Moses, to the king. And you're going to say that you've spoken to me. I am. And he wants you to let his people go. Does that sound good, Moses? Great. Off you go. Well, we saw last week that Moses didn't want to go. He was making lots of excuses. I'm not good enough. They won't listen to me. And God reminds him. As you know what? He often reminds us. When we get scared and we feel inadequate, he says, actually, it's not about you, Trevor. It's about me and what I'm going to do through you. So stop being a wet blanket and just be obedient. And God shows him the signs of power, his power. Do you remember the snake and the leprosy and the Nile water turning into blood? So we didn't actually get to the end of chapter 4 last week and we're just gonna, I'm just going to get you up to date before we get into chapter 5. So Moses, even after all these wonderful signs of God's power, still doesn't fancy it. So God says, okay then, take your brother with you. Take your brother Aaron. He'll speak with you. And so Moses and Aaron, they show up in Egypt. They go back to Egypt and they gather the elders and the leaders among the Hebrew nation. And they tell them exactly what God has said to tell them. And you can read this at the end of chapter 4. And they show them the signs of power that God gave. And just as the Lord said would happen, the Hebrew people understood. And they believed. And the last verse of chapter 4 says this. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Now I just want to pause here a minute because this is significant. For over 400 years, this group of men and women have been oppressed. They've been crushed. They've been murdered. They've been raped. They've been used abused, treated as some subhuman. And they pled and they cried out to God that he would hear them and they would save them and deliver them. 400 years. And then Moses turns up and says, hey guys, look, God's heard and he's got a plan and here's his power. Can you imagine the type of rejoicing that would have gone on at this moment 
Of course they would bow down and worship. Can you imagine? Everyone's buzzing. Expectation is high. Life's taking a turn for the better. Yes, Lord, we're going forward. And then Exodus chapter 5. Turn with me to chapter 5. And we're going to read it. It's a short chapter. Don't forget, this is a story that's going on. It's a narrative and it's good to read big chunks of it. This is what it says. So they've uh, been to the Israelites, been to the Hebrew people. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. And Pharaoh said, yeah, all right, then off you go. No, he didn't. He says, who's the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. (laughs) I'm not going to let Israel go. (coughs) And then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you're stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and foremen in charge of the people. You're no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out, let's go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for them. So that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the foreman went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I'm not going to give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw, wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. The Israelite foremen appointed by Pharaoh's slave drivers were beaten and were asked, why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? And then the Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh, why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. (laughs) And I love this. Pharaoh said, lazy. (laughs) That's what you are. Lazy. That's why you keep saying, let's go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get back to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. And so the Israelite foreman realized that they were in trouble when they, 
were uh, told you're not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet with them. And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. You've made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. And then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why? Why have you brought this trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble upon this people. And you, you have not rescued us at all. Ever been disappointed? Isn't that what happens sometimes? You know, you get good news, don't you? There's excitement, expectation about what might come. God's finally heard. He's going to work. And then your bubbles burst. Things don't turn out the way you hoped. In fact, they just got worse. This is not what I had in mind. This wasn't what I hoped for. Disappointment. Deep disappointment. It's normally one word. (laughs) That's interesting. Here's what I know about disappointment. Here's what I know about disappointment. Disappointment is always rooted in hope. You see, you can't be disappointed if you didn't first hope that something might be different. Let's just be honest. Every one of us has a kind of vision of our lives. We have this vision of what what life is going to be like. We have this vision of what we think life should be and And how life should work out. And then when it doesn't happen, disappointment sets in. You see, disappointment shatters our dreams. It erodes our confidence. It diminishes our hope. In fact, it makes us even hesitant to hope again in any real way. You know, you hear people say, well, I don't want to build my hopes up. Because I don't want to be disappointed. Disappointment makes us feel very alone, doesn't it? Why me? Disappointment creates doubt. It can cause us to question our belief in God, His very existence. It certainly can make us, make us wrestle with whether or not we think God is actually there, and whether he's actually listening, and whether he's actually for us. In a very real way, what disappointment does, it just gets hold of us, and it wrings us out. If we think of life full of vitality and energy as like a sponge filled with water, 
Well, this is what happens when disappointment comes. You just get run out so that you just feel dry. Disappointment in life is real. You know that. But perhaps the big question we need to ask, and the question we'll seek to answer this morning, is how to deal with disappointment. How do we overcome disappointment? How can we move on from disappointment and not let it define us and our lives? Well, I'm going to say up front, It ain't easy. (laughs) I wish I could say to you, you know what? Pull yourself together. It's fine. (laughs) Or, you know, maybe to quote my fellow countrymen, always look on the bright side of life. going to have that in your head now. No. You know what? I acknowledge disappointment. I know disappointment personally. Disappointment hurts. Disappointment can last. It might take you a while to get over it, but this morning I want to offer you and me Three ways to help us deal with disappointment that we find in Scripture and we can glean from the passage we just read. I don't know how these are going to come out on the PowerPoint now that I've realized that it didn't recognize the font that I used. But the first thing we need to do is acknowledge our humanity. Acknowledge our humanity. To overcome disappointment, we're going to have to come to grips with our humanity. We're going to have to acknowledge our limitations. We're just going to have to acknowledge that we are not ultimate. That God is. That we are not all-knowing and all-seeing. That God is. Just going to have to somehow acknowledge that and accept You see, throughout the book of Exodus so far, we've seen a plan for freedom. A plan to set the people free. Sometimes this plan has been behind the scenes, but now we see it's out in the open. Whose plan is it? God's plan. Why is it God's plan? Well, because he's God. How do you know it's God's plan? Because if it was our plan, it would make so much more sense. Isn't that true? There's God. I need to get my people out of Egypt. How am I going to do it? Let me think. Um, I know. I'm going to get a couple of extras from Call the Midwife to stand up to the king so at least one Hebrew boy survives the cull. Then, when they can't hide him any longer, his mum's going to put him in a wicker basket 
and throw him down the Nile. And he's going to survive that somehow. And uh, then Pharaoh's daughter, she is going uh, to have a morning swim just at the very place where this basket is. And she's going to be so filled with compassion that she's going to hoodwink her dad and take the Hebrew baby into the palace where he's going to grow up. And I'll tell you what, let's get his natural mother to come and raise him. And here's the kicker, we're going to pay her for doing it. That sounds good, doesn't it? And then, after 80 years, when this guy, uh, Moses, is going to muck up big time, and he's going to start living with the sheep, I'm going to go and tell him to go to Pharaoh and command that he let my people go, even though he's now a bit of a wimp and he's not very good at public speaking. Yes, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Seriously? That doesn't make sense, does it? If that was me and I'm God, I'd be like, well... Why not just nuke the guy? <laughs> oh, yeah, I tell you, I would have pressed the button. Poof! There we go. It would make the Bible a lot shorter, wouldn't it? <laughs> but you see, we don't see. We don't see all. We don't know all. We are told that our plans are not God's plans. Our ways are not his ways. And it's that that disappoints us. Because let's be honest, we know best, don't we? If I was God, I'd do it this way. So much more sensible. This is how my life would work out. But listen, I'm going to tell you something that you already know. Life doesn't work out the way we want it to. Why? Because God is God and we are not. And praise God for that. But of course, we try to play God all the time, don't we? We try to plan everything out. But, you know, I was thinking that our position is one of a, a flea trying to figure out complex chemistry or accountancy. Both the same. <laughs> We're just not going to do a very good job at it, are we? Left to our own devices, how are we doing in 2020? Well, there's no wars, no poverty, no injustice. All we have is just humble leaders and presidents who only care for the well-being of their followers. Life's just great, isn't it? Look, in order to overcome disappointment in life, we have to acknowledge whether we like it or not, our own limitations. 
and we have to trust and follow God, even though he's going to behave in ways that are totally and utterly confusing at times. We have to grow, I read this this week and I'm going to quote it to you, we have to grow comfortable in the sovereign, brilliant size of God and our tininess. We just have to learn to be comfortable in that. Why do things happen the way that they happen? Sam and Megan, my son Sam and his wife Megan, they moved over from England to be with us in August. They wanted to sort of uh, live here for a bit and Megan's been waiting for a visa, job visa. She got a job offer from Broadway Church to be their children's pastor. Everything was happening, it was, it was going through and then all of a sudden... They said, no, we can't employ you because we can't get the visa for you. So we told us that we were going to get the visa. No, we haven't told you. We can't get the visa. Anyway, for four months, there's been so much backwards and forwards with immigration, with the church, with, and poor Megan and Sam, they're, they're running out of money, and uh, they've been tearing their hair out. They've been trying to do what God's calling them to do. No visa. And time and time again, they've been let down and disappointed. Praise God, this week the visa came through. And Megan said to me, I wonder why this has happened. She said, Trevor, you're a pastor. <laughs> well, so she. Why has this happened? I said, Megan, I haven't got a clue. I don't know. I don't know. If it were me, this is the way it would have worked. Listen, in order to deal with disappointment, we don't have to understand everything that happens. We don't have to be able to explain all our disappointments. We don't have to be all religious and spiritual about it. It's for a greater plan. God knows best. But we do have to come to some sort of recognition that we are not God. We have to come to some sort of recognition of who we are are in the whole scheme of things. We don't know it all. We don't see it all. And ultimately, to deal with disappointment, we have to simply trust in the one who does. (coughs) Second way we can deal with disappointment. I don't know if this is even going to show up on the screen. No, there we go. I'm going to tell you. We need to acknowledge the reality of life. Okay? The reality of life is set out in Scripture. One of the things that we need to learn as Christians is to read the Bible honestly. We tend to only want to remember the good things in the Bible, you know? 
Unfortunately, we live in a world where people can take test texts and scripture verses and stick it on Instagram or Facebook with a nice pretty little picture, flowers around it, verses about how easy life is. And if you just trust God, then $100 bills are going to start floating down from the sky and you're never going to get sick again. These verses are pulled out of Scripture with a complete disregard for the Bible's complete honesty of what life is like in a Genesis 3 world. A world that is fallen and broken with sin. Look at these verses in Scripture. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. I was reading about Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. You know the guy? You know the book in the Old Testament? He was a good guy, Jeremiah. He's for the Lord. He's on fire for the Lord. And God comes to Jeremiah and he says, if you will say what I tell you to say and go where I tell you to go, I'm going to give you the power to build up nations and destroy them. Brilliant. (laughs) Sounds like a good life to me. I'll have some of that, thank you very much. But do you know what happens to Jeremiah every time he does that? Almost every time Jeremiah opens his mouth and testifies what God tells him to testify, he's beaten. He's imprisoned. He's thrown bloody into a ditch. Time and time again that happens. Until Jeremiah's had enough and he says this in Jeremiah 20, 7 and 8. God, you've deceived me and I was deceived. You're stronger than I and you have prevailed. I've become a laughing stock. All the day, everyone mocks me. Thank you very much. He literally says, you've lied to me. I did what you told me to do, and the only thing that's been torn down is me. what's, What's this? Look at me. This is heartbroken disappointment. Jeremiah loved Israel. He loved the people of God. And they were far from God. And all he wanted them to do was to come back to him. Come back to God. As a pastor, I so identify with that. I want you to know life. I want you to know life in Jesus because I believe that that life gives you a full life, an exciting life, a life that you were born to live. I want you to know the love and the grace 
and the mercy of Jesus. And you know what? I give my life and I spend hours each week trying to be faithful to that. And Jeremiah's doing this. He's out there proclaiming the word of God in the hopes that all of his brothers and sisters would repent and come back to the living God. And what happens? What does he get in return? He gets punched in the gut, kicked in the teeth, and disappointed. Do you know how the book of Jeremiah ends? Well, Israel is led into captivity and Jeremiah with them. It's not a Disney happy ending. Guys, I, I, know, I know this is a bit of a Debbie Downer. Uh, but I'm making a huge point with, here. St- stay with me. Look at every main follower of Jesus in Scripture and tell me that they didn't experience disappointment. John the Baptist, lived in the desert, beheaded. Paul, shipwrecked, beaten, mocked, ostracized. Stephen, stoned for telling uh, the truth about Jesus. Mary, mother of Jesus, laughed at, mocked, watching her son crucified. Mary Magdalene, called a whore, seeing her best friend and master die. Again and again and again, they suffered disappointment. Spoiler alert on Exodus. Moses doesn't make it to the promised land. Sorry to give the punchline away. But he's not going to make it in. All of his faithfulness, all of the troubles that he encounters, and he's not going to see the promised land. I'm sorry, guys, but the Bible is full of this. Disappointment after disappointment in life. And disappointments will happen in our lives, even if we're the most faithful and loving servant of God. And I know it's tough, and I know this isn't popular in some Christian circles, but if we're going to survive the waves of disappointment in our lives, we need to understand that they're coming. (coughs) And God tells us that they're coming. You see, God doesn't sugarcoat life for us. He tells us up front. We just forget. Even in the text that we we just read. Look at verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to these people? Why why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to the people and you've not delivered your people at all. Moses is ticked. But hang on, I think God told him that this was exactly how things were going to happen three or four times back in chapter 3. You're going to go, you're going to tell Pharaoh, I'm going to harden his heart, he's not going to listen, things are going to get worse. Moses forgets. Listen, I know I've laboured this point, and I, I've totally depressed all of you. This, what a glorious sunny day. <laughs> what an uplifting sermon, Trevor. Don't worry, I'm, I'm going to end well in a minute. 
But you see, you need to see that in order for us to handle disappointments, to deal with disappointments, we first have to know that they will come. Get ready. Be prepared. Life following Jesus will bring disappointments. Okay, here's the third one. My voice is going, (coughs) and I need to give you some good news. The third way to deal with disappointment, and this is where we end well. (laughs) Can't see. Wow. This is great. I could could make it up from here. those listening online, the, uh, the PowerPoint doesn't show this point. Um, here's the third final point. Third way to deal with disappointment. We have to remember that he has overcome. Jesus told his disciples this. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have disappointments and tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. He's saying, look, in this world, you will have difficulty. You will have disappointments. You will cry. You will hurt. You will get sick. People you love will die. In this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart. Why? Because I'm here. I'm with you. I have you. And I've overcome the world. And guys, we so need to remember that. You see, at the first sign of opposition, the first little sign of difficulty or disappointment, we forget it. Moses did. He forgot. I mean, you remember the snake? Daphne's cane turning into a snake. Do you remember that? The snake and the leprosy and the blood, the Nile. and He forgot about that burning bush, voice of God. In a second, all of the mercies of God in his past just vanished. And all he's aware of is his disappointment. We're no different than him. I've been a follower of Jesus for 30 years, over 30 years. And all it takes is one wave of disappointment to make me forget the many, many ways God has been faithful to me and my family. How he's guided us in difficult times. How he had his hand on Linda through two bouts of breast cancer. How he's provided for us when we were struggling financially. How he has heard our cries for our kids when they were walking down a dark path. 
I've been pastor of this church for nearly eight years. And all it takes is one wave of disappointment to make me forget the many, many ways God has been faithful to us here. How he's changed people's lives through the work of this church. How he's impacted the community and the families around us through the work of you, this church. How people have come and they've gone and they've passed through City View and yet God has called us and used us to be a part of their journey. We forget. You see, the waves of disappointment, they come in and we feel betrayed and deceived and lied to and we forget all those answered prayers, all those moments where God really sustained us, when we really didn't think we would make it through. Friends, in order to deal with our disappointments, we need to remember those things. We need to remember that he has overcome. That he is overcoming. And that he will overcome. How do we do that? How, how do we know that he's overcome the world? Well, and this is key. If we're going to survive the waves of disappointment that are going to come to all of us. We just have to continually look at the cross of Jesus Christ. When we're in the middle of suffering and pain and despair and disappointment, we look at the cross and we remember God's crazy plan to save us. His crazy plan to show us how much we're loved. His crazy plan to show us that he's for us, not against us. And his crazy plan to show us that ultimately the disappointments in this world will eventually fade away when we get to stand before him face to face. I bet you now, I'm not going to bet you because we don't gamble, because <laughs> we're a church. But I bet you, when we stand before Jesus Christ in heaven, we're not going to remember our disappointments. I'll collect my winnings from you when we're there. <laughs> Guys, get ready. Disappointments are coming. They actually or may already be here. Our ways are not his ways, but hold firm. Take heart. The one you need to trust and to look to has, is, and will overcome them. That's my and that's my prayer for you this morning. Shall we pray?
the spirit of freedom, can I just ask maybe a few of you just to, to raise your voices in prayer. Maybe cry out to God. Maybe cry out to God with your disappointment. Can you do that? Thank you, Lord, that I 
I believe and I trust and I follow a God who stands above all things. I thank you that you stand above my failures. I thank you that you stand above uh, my mistakes. I thank you that you stand above my fears and my disappointments. And I thank you that you continually make me new in you every day. Thank you, Lord, that I can trust in you. Because you are good. And you are for me, not against.